Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome into Missing the Point. We're talking about the UFC again. It's checking my oil. Check my oil. I don't know. It's only like the third episode of the show. I haven't really figured out the uh, the exact title. Checking, I guess, would mean we're in the act of putting our fingers up each other's butts. So let's go with that. Checking my oil. Uh, I've got two gentlemen here who need no introduction, but I'm going to give it anyway because we have to fill an hour. Uh, two on the bottom left side of my screen over here, we have a gentleman who's fought all around the world who's uh at one fight at one point uh violence was his trade and nowadays he's a mild-mannered uh logic impersonator uh living in new york city and uh his name is what was your because i know you had the streak as you had two let me let me step in before he jumps on that one (laughs) first one being then the streak peak i remember the streak i remember that was unfortunate my favorite though would be would have to be benny cabbage that you invented that he never used that in a fight. I, uh, I don't agree. I, I never used either of those. No, you're you used the streak one time. I remember that very it wasn't, I, I didn't use the streak, it was done without my uh, uh gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, because like, unless you're on a crazy win streak, it does sound like you have dirty underwear. What did you have another one that we're unaware of? Huggy Bear, I liked Huggy Bear. Yeah, 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 yeah. I liked that one a lot. You know, that really does actually encapsulate you because as much as uh. So if somebody was walking down the street and observed you, they may think that you were uh, not a big old softy. We all know that you are, despite your skill sets and violence. As you've already heard, uh, our, my other co-host for this uh, perusal of the upcoming fights this weekend is uh, a fellow degenerate gambler and general degenerate. Uh, general degenerate. That would be a really good like wrestling name. That's my fight name. <laughs> comes out like it, like dressed as like an army general, but like. He's got a little cocaine on his nose. <laughs> I uh, uh, Matt Wilcox is here with me as well. Guys, we're talking about another pay-per-view. I feel like we're spoiled in these past few weeks. I unfortunately had to work during the yawn. The yawn. Wait, what the fuck is the guy's name that beat him? Devalishvili card. Uh, but I heard it was great. But because I had to work, we're not going to talk about it. Now, I know we are being spoiled by the by all these pay-per-views and everything but the guys and i were talking and we decided that instead of breaking down the upcoming ufc 286 pay-per-view we're in fact going to just talk about every conor mcgregor fight that ever happened you guys are cool with that right uh yeah Uh, i absolutely am we'll start off with marcus brimage so no i'm just kidding we're going to talk about ufc 286 but i will just say i i thought uh face of the fight game conor mcgregor coming out and doing a lot of long form interviews yesterday very strange uh I've never really seen him do like 
podcast style interviews. Like he sat down with Ariel Helwani for like a half an hour. He went to Fox News and, and talked to fucking Sean Hannity. And Sean Hannity did that thing that people always do to Ben when we go to parties where he was like, well, this is actually I actually do train to fight. And I thought that was funny because I've seen that happen a lot when hanging out with Ben. They just like insist on telling him their fight resume. And it's always very embarrassing. For, not for me, for Ben. I find it hilarious. And then he was on uh, my mom's basement, that Barstool podcast with that kid who looks like he has that I can't grow up disease. <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed all of them. Uh, obviously, as a huge Connor fan, uh, I mean, Maddie's wearing a, a Connor McGregor T-shirt right now. I think it was it's a little it was just a little weird because it was it's like he's not he wasn't really promoting the ultimate fighter. He wasn't really promoting like a fight like nothing's been announced. He just took his like ever his getting weirder and weirder face on these on these TV shows. And, and or internet shows or whatever you'd call them and uh, and sort of just like, you know, had a very casual, relaxed conversation. Now, uh, I was thinking about this one thing and I just wanted to ask your guys opinion on it before we moved on, move on to the card. He seemed to confirm that he's fighting Chandler at 170. That's not hugely great for the street cred. And when asked by Helwani about what would happen after if he won and he was like, yeah, I, I should get the 170 title shot. That to me is like, I don't know if beating a 155 or at 170 earns you the title, uh, the title shot at 170. I unless you're maybe unless you're Conor McGregor, I guess. But it does create a little fear for me, knowing and loving him so much. Matt, I'll, I'll start with you. The next guy that probably should get a 170 title shot is Hamzat, and I don't want to see Conor fight Hamzat. So, no, no I, you know, I, I mean, what what happened with 155? Like, I think there's there's a world where he could win the title again at 155. But I wouldn't want to see him fight Kamaru Usman or Leon Edwards. I mean, I'd be cheering for him, and I would talk myself into him winning. I guarantee you that. And I would attempt to talk you guys into it. But it seems like a strange career move. Like, what do you think is happening? Well, I think I think the answer to that question is another thing that him and Ariel Huani talked about, which was his USADA testing pool. Yeah, oh boy. <laughs> I, I think he weighs too much. I think his recovery period was too great for him to consider dropping down that far. I don't think he has any intention of ever weighing that that little again. I think 170 is still going to be a significant cut for him right now, and you can see it in his neck, in his face. He just doesn't look like the same human being. He doesn't look anything like 155 Connor. He he, you know, they, he's even talking about 185, which is ridiculous. Nobody wants to see that. But yeah, I just I don't think he has it in him, or the, I don't think he has the interest in getting down to 155. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see him there again. I mean, he ne he never enjoyed the weight cuts, but Ben he uh he was at his most dangerous at 145, and I think it's because he had a ton of power at that weight class, and I think that was very evident for everyone to see. I think there's diminishing returns for him as he goes up in weight class power. I still think obviously he's got knockout power 155, like no question about that, and he does have a knockout at 170 also, but. I don't see him knocking out any of the top five 170 guys, right? Like, do you see that happening? Yeah, no, and I just want to echo you guys' sentiments, both of your sentiments. I did see it as a pretty pathetic attempt at staying relevant as well. I um, uh, with the, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I think he's just doing the media rounds, you know, uh, keeping his keeping his name out there, echoing what Matt said. I think he's too big now. Uh, I can tell you from experience with with testosterone myself, you get denser. Uh, you get you get heavier to a point where you're just not going to be able to cut down. And I think you said it exactly right. 155 and above 
Connor isn't the same Connor that we watched uh, in his ascension. 145, he was a killer. He had power. He had he, his style was also a little bit different in his 145 days. He was uh, he was using every weapon that he had. He's kind of fallen in love with his boxing as he's gotten heavier. That may have to do with why he fights the way he fights now. It's it's not as easy as for him to throw and twist his limbs all around, and he he boxes and he and he relies on what I what I would love to see. I don't see him knocking out the top 170. Uh, pounders. I think he has a better chance at 155. Look, but at this point in his career, he's he's made the statement. In my opinion, he's made the statements that he needs to. He's come out and he shocked the world. To, was the first double champ and in devastating fashion. Let's see some exciting exhibitions. Um, I, yeah. I don't. I'm I'm not interested in Connor the champion. I think that that will hold up divisions based on he he's he's a businessman now. He's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Let's not clog up the division. Let's put him in some exciting fights when he's, um, and when he can test clean, doesn't piss through the cup. And, uh, I don't think he's on anything. He looks, yeah. He looks, he looks great. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Next, just do that naturally over time. Uh, yeah. All right. We do have to get into the, we do have to get into this 286 card, but, uh, just if we, and obviously we're going to be talking about him as the, the Chandler fight comes closer. I mean, say what you will about Conor McGregor. Obviously we're fans. Ben is the majority of like MMA purists aren't, uh, most moral people aren't, uh, it seems like these days, but you know, me and Matt just aren't like that. So, um, <laughs> I'm a glory days type of guy, but we will be having to talk about him as as time goes on because the motherfucker is box office. I do want to briefly uh, get your guys' like you know one sentence predictions on what's what you think is going to happen when he fights Michael Chandler. It seems like it's going to be at one seventy. It seems like it's going to happen. I really do think it's a really great tune up fight for Connor. I think I've seen him beat guys like that before. I think that uh, Michael Chandler isn't smart enough to go in there and try to do the thing that he could do to win the fight, which is wrestle. And I think he's probably going to get knocked out. And I think it's a smart, it's a smart tune-up fight. But I'm interested to know what you guys' opinions on it are. I think it's more difficult than you're than you're letting on. I think a tune-up fight would be great for for Connor. I'm not sure if that's what this Michael Chandler sure has the the right holes in his game for Connor to be successful. Uh, he's very hittable and he likes to stand and strike. Connor is if one of, if not the best in the world at that. At that is at picking his shots and counter striking. That being uh, Michael Chandler has been at the top of the game now for a while. Uh, it's not like he's unknown and he's been doing bad. He was, he's been killing some of the top performers in the UFC. And before when he was in, uh, what, what's the shitty one? Bellator. And no, he was, in, he was the cage warriors champion. No, he was in Bellator. He was in, he oh, was Bellator. Michael Chandler. Oh, Michael Chandler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was in Bellator. Uh, he, was, he was a Bellator champion though, right? Yeah, he was. Uh, and I and let's be honest. I think ring rust is going to play a part here. I uh, I think it can go either way. For my best buddy's sake, I hope it. I hope it goes to Connor, and I hope it goes well because I can't take another night of tears. But uh, <laughs> uh, I I know I wasn't I, crying. I, there was something in my eye. <laughs> what do you got, Matt? I think that if Connor takes it seriously, like he appears to be already, and if he trains properly, that he can cut right through michael chandler i think michael chandler is going to move very fast and very strong into connor and i think connor is going to hit him with punches that look like they're soft and they're just more powerful than most people in the in ufc are capable of giving and that's always been connor's game his straight his hooks he's just more powerful than everyone he's just a punching animal and i just i i really think if he takes this seriously that michael chandler is really going to have a problem with him because michael chandler's not smart He's going to rush him. And he's going to try and hit him hard like he does with everybody. 
And I love Michael Chandler. I love watching him fight. I think it's a bad matchup for Michael Chandler. I think he's fighting one of the smartest fighters he could be fighting. I think, you know, I, I don't I don't know if I ever really thought that Connor was like a pure power guy, to be honest. I think the thing apart, the thing that I I see that he was the best at better than most other people is that when he hurt someone, when he hit someone and he tagged them, I thought he was more composed than 99.9% of fighters I see in that situation when they tag somebody and they go for the kill. I thought his killer instinct was just a little bit better than everybody else's. He was just always very, very composed when when going to get the finish. And he could really always smell blood in the water. I don't know if it was like a huge power thing for him, but well, I think... We're not, let me just think about this. Think about this for one second. Think about uh, him fighting Aldo. That shot was not a big windup. It was a step in. What what was it? He was going backwards. Maybe? He was going right. backwards. It was, was really going backwards. Good. It was, was really going backwards. Good. That was right in the button, though. Right. He did the same thing to uh to uh what's his name? The other little fella who who talked a whole lot of shit and got knocked out real bad in the second round. That's uh, Eddie Alvarez. Is that, that's like yeah, but the thing is, he the, what he did with Eddie Alvarez was he just like buzzed him a few times. Buzzed, right. You know, like and little he, shots. Didn't, he didn't, but he didn't hit him with like a clean knockout punch. He no, just no. he just he just had that killer instinct. Chad pop, Mendes. Pop, pop. He like hurt him and then he went and had that killer instinct. Cowboy, that finish was like as much as you say, like our oh, cowboy was past it and he was. That finish was sick. Like the way he punched downwards, like the way, like his accuracy, like the way he he remained composed. Poirier the first time, uh, caught him behind the ear, fucking bounced his head off the canvas. Like those finishes, I think, are, are indicative of that, of that kind of composure. And I, I just hope that. When you see him walk out when he's on like that 14 fight win streak and he's about to knock out Jose Aldo, that confidence is not something he's ever going to be able to replicate again because he's now he's he's like he knows he's human now. He's like been beaten by guys like stuff's happened. But man, that confidence, I think, was like the, that was the intangible that really made him great. So we'll just have to see, you know, I mean, will, will he come back? I would, the, my favorite thing that he said in those interviews was uh, was. It, it's it's less to prove the doubters wrong and more to prove my support correct. So as the last two supporters of Conor McGregor, I, I really do hope he's right. And it's really nice that he name checked us. All right. So moving on to UFC 286. First fight. We're going to skip the early prelims. I will also warn everybody because this does happen to me sometimes. The fucking they put the card in London. I guess it's only fair. Leon Edwards gets home court on this one. You know, uh, it's fine. It's just that. It's for me, it's in the middle of the fucking day. You know, I got to start watching this card at like the a.m., which uh, I'm not going to be really emotionally prepared for on Saturday. I can already tell you guys on the East Coast get a little bit of a a later start, which is nice. But, you know, I just want to warn everybody it is a daytime card. So don't don't. uh, The last card I actually watched with Matt and Ben, uh, I invited my brother. I was like, come watch the the fight card at Matt's house. And we were sitting watching it and we watched it and it ended and hours passed. And I was like, I guess I guess John's not coming. They texted me and was like, "Where? what time's the fight at? I was like, it was in the middle of the day. So now I have to make sure to tell everybody that it is in the middle of the day. So please, uh, please check your calendars. But we're going to skip the early prelims because I don't even know if I'm going to watch them because it's going to be too early for me. Uh, maybe I will. But uh, we're going to go right to the prelims. Mohamed Makayev versus Jafel Filo. Two contender series guys uh, making their UFC debut. The... Uh, it's an interesting fight. It, the fucking booking lines again are crazy. You cannot put lines like this on MMA fights. It makes me want to bet every underdog that I ever see. Mokayev is in is minus six fifty when I when I last checked the lines, and Filo is plus four hundred. Now, I do think that Mokayev is the better fighter, and I'm obviously I'm interested to find out what you guys think about this. Uh, you know, he hasn't really lost a fight. The only one, the only blemish on his record, and that one is a no contest because he kicked somebody in the balls. I think, but. 
Philo's got grappling. Like he can grapple. He can do shit on the ground. He can find a back and, and take a back and finish a fight. He can't. This isn't like a puncher's chance plus 400 bet if you take it. If you're, if you're looking for value in underdogs, this card has them. It, it has them in spades across the entire thing. So I'm not saying I think Philo's going to win, but there is that tried and true uh, that tried and true kind of old wisdom that you bet the line and not the fight. So Matt, like, would you say there's any value in this plus 400 or are the or Vegas fully correct? No, I think Vegas is fully correct on this one. Okay. I- I'll just shut the fuck up then. Thanks, man. <laughs> All that fucking preamble. And you're like, nah, you're wrong. <laughs> so here's the deal. I think Makayev is, uh, is running away from Jake Hadley. Who's on the early prelims here because he lost his last fight. They had, uh, a real blow up in a hotel earlier this week because they're both on the card and they hate each other. And uh, Makayev refuses to fight Jake Hadley, who he knows is a good matchup for him. They're both excellent, well-rounded mixed mar- martial artists. And now he's fighting Philo, who is going to, I mean, he he could beat Philo, I think, in any direction. I think he could knock him out in the first round. I think he could submit him. I think what he's going to do is going to take him all three rounds and really beat him to a pulp and show uh daddy dana that he needs to be up with his other friends in the top of the class i i really do it's un- think it's, un- it's uncle dana matt you don't have to take no he fan. can i don't like Maka if he calls him daddy does he, he and, 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 to me he does i i think he's a very good fighter i think he's very very good i think he's one of the future guys i don't think he's going to end up being a gatekeeper so for me on this one i don't see a lot of value in the underdog uh, and I'm not saying that Philo's not a not a good fighter i just i think he's outmatched here by a, by a real young gun I'd say if you have to put money on this fight, you should you should bet an inside the distance finish. And if you're really you really do have faith, uh, Makayev, you can bet it on him. But I think if anyone wins, I do not think it's going to be going to the judges. But I've said that before, Ben. Uh, you know, you're looking at two guys like this, where one basically has one way to win, and another has a few different ways to win. How much weight does that carry when you're going into an MMA, specifically MMA rules match, where a, a guy? I guess my question is, you know, one guy's game plan, and you don't know the other. So how much of a disadvantage is Philo at in, in a situation like that? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I hate to say it because, you know, it's a fight. Anything can happen. But I really don't see him having a chance here. He's on a losing streak, as is he's uh, Muhammad is one is an incredibly, incredibly talented wrestler, so talented that he can throw whatever he wants on the feet, as he often does. He kind of throws caution to the wind with his strikes because he feels so confident once they make contact and they start grappling. I don't think uh, Philo has what it takes to submit him, catch him in anything, because where he it, where he is able to find success in, in his submissions, I don't think he's going to be over to be able to overcome uh, Muhammad's uh positioning on the ground his base if you've ever grappled with uh with a wrestler and you're on your back their base is unlike anything that you felt before in brazilian jiu-jitsu you it's in they're incredibly hard to sweep uh you really need to set them off balance and i don't think that uh philo has what it takes here i see a, a pretty easy win for okay this feels like a feeder fight for him yeah i wonder actually just you were talking right there it, it intrigued me this question the the jujitsu versus wrestling debate, uh, you know, like who you know who has the advantage? Where would you say? Because like actual jujitsu takedowns are inferior to wrestling, freestyle wrestling, or sambo wrestling, or Greco Roman wrestling takedowns, right? Like if you want to get a guy to the ground, a wrestler's better at that than a jujitsu guy. Am I incorrect in saying that? No, you're 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 on point. I 
I don't even think that you could say that jujitsu guys have takedowns. It's right. something that they then have to train separately. Once yeah. it hits the ground, they're at an advantage. But all their takedowns come from judo or wrestling. Right. And they they if they're if they're pure jujitsu guys, they have spent a lot of time being able to take guys down using the gi. Like, and even then you're kind of using judo throws. You're, you know, you're trying to do those kind of shoulder rolls and trip guys. I feel like <clears throat> if I was now, this is a question I, I've, I'm asked all the time watching MMA. If I was training my kid, if my kid was like seven years old and he wanted to start with, with learning how to fight, I would probably want to put him in wrestling first. I think that would be the best base. A, he doesn't get punched in the face a shitload and get discouraged. But also, I think those guys, like the gas tank they develop, you know, like the, the grappling cardio, the guys that can grapple, can grapple all fucking day, you know? And I think that like that would probably be the best base. Am I off base on that one? Base, base, base? No, I think that you're uh, you're correct there. I, I think not only does does wrestling build an incredibly strong base for when you then do start to switch over to some sort of submission grappling, but man, do they make those kids hard-nosed. If you've yeah. met, met a kid who has been wrestling since he was since he was five or six, came up through the camps, and now he's uh, in his adolescence, whatever it is, man, those kids know how to work. They, yeah. they put him through it at camp. And I think the work ethic on top of the strength that it builds, throwing people around like that, that you don't get in jujitsu, I would start with wrestling, have them switch over to uh, some sort of gra submission grappling uh, after they built a strong base. Yeah. I mean, we, we had that whole Bo Nickel conversation last week or two weeks ago now. And I just think if you if it's always interesting to see the guys who are at the top of their individual combat sports come in and do MMA. I do think it's easier for a wrestler to learn how to throw a punch than it is for a kickboxer to learn how to wrestle. And I think I think that you really see that as guys come in. And I, I'm just interested to see how the sport evolves in that sense, because now you're going to start to get the first few generations of fighters where they are being sort of made in a lab, right? Where it's like, you're not just like starting with MMA or like, oh, he was a really good kickboxer and he's doing MMA. So he learned this and this like that. Those days are starting to kind of come up. And and I think that, you know, we'll start to see what the best style to start with is and, you know, what these best camps are. And these are really interesting conversations in MMA as we move forward. This is kind of what the whole UFC promotion started, uh, why it started. You know, they were basically trying to do Mortal Kombat, try to figure out who the best style was. And as much as the Gracies and Jiu-Jitsu changed everything and and made everyone put everyone in a position where it's like, well, if you don't know Jiu-Jitsu, you can't do this sport. I do think that, or at least a baseline Jiu-Jitsu, I do think that wrestling is is you know what I one of the big three. You know, I, I think if it, for me it's like Jiu-Jitsu, wrestling, and Thai Thai boxing. Like I I know American kickboxing and stuff is like you know I mean like Israel Adesanya was a champion for a long time and like now the guy who took his place is a, is a champion in like regular kickboxing. But I also think and I'm excited when we get to Rafael Viziev and and Justin Gaethje to talk about the levels of of Muay Thai and and uh, and, yes. and guys that do that sport and and how they're kind of dominating over the last twenty years. So that'll be fun. But before that, we have to talk about Sam Patterson and Yanel Ashmos. Ashmos? Ash, Yanel. So uh, Patterson's like this big, tall, gangly fuck. And everybody says he's going to win. He's got the way higher odds. Again, I was I was seeing value in an underdog bet here. I know that the height disparity is going to freak everybody out. I know that Yanel is not a super technical fighter, no. but he can knock a guy out. He's yeah. got knockout power. And Sam Patterson fights with his hands down. He 
Uh, he is rangy, but I think Yanel can move in and out pretty well. And we saw what, like in, in the Valentina Grasso fight, what, what that can do, the size being not, the length not being super important if the footwork beats it, right? So Ben, if you were betting on this fight, if you, you know, you're looking at these two guys in these two styles, would you be a little bit nervous to, to back Sam Patterson uh, based on the, the fact that defend, like I've seen him take hits. I've seen him take big hits and he's got a decent chin. I don't know if he's taking hits from a guy that can punch like, you know, or like, what's your take? Yeah. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to correct something. I said, CeeLo is not on a losing streak. That was my bad. I was confused there. Now is I believed a, you. I fucking believed you. I mean, we could have just, just started a narrative. You know, the truth is what you want to make in 2023. He well, confused the Brazilian lad and the Colombian <laughs> fellow. It's all fine. I did. So yeah, you know, re- built solid, Guy built for tough, this fellow. Yeah. <laughs> short, short, but very stocky. And I was watching some of his highlights. Doesn't seem to take a step back. The guy keeps moving forward, very hard nose. And I think that's what you're going to need against a rangy guy like Sam Patterson. Uh, Sam does look like he takes some shots. I believe it was him who I was watching. He nearly got knocked out himself. This was either him or Chris Duncan. I believe actually it might be Chris. Doesn't seem like the most polished guy. Doesn't seem like he he's going Definitely to really not <laughs> put Yanel away immediately. I think this is you you you, you might have your value betting on Yanel here if you use the underdog. Bet the line, as you said. And uh I, I think this could go either way. Talented guys to get here, but not top of their class. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Matt? He's just a wee itty bitty fellow though, isn't he? (laughs) He's He's just a wee lad. He's five nine. He's five nine, and I think he gave himself a couple of entries. I think he went down to the Google offices <laughs> and like paid whatever lady makes the uh, makes the height. <laughs> the internet it was height. A real. It's a real funny stare down, isn't it? Where he's looking at his yeah, nipples, kind of awkward. Real, real small. <laughs> so I, I think what what I because probably because it's just recent memory, but it brings me back to Volk versus uh, Islam, where v- Volk is this technical incredible fighter who knows how to get inside send his shots and then get away before he gets tagged by something nasty i don't know that that i trust ashmoff enough to bet on him to do it but i do see that you know patterson's not very polished you're right he just his he gets cocky he tries to be fluid his hands are down i i I could see myself betting on Asimov. I'm not going to at the moment right now. I'm probably leaving Patterson just because, boy, six three and five nine. I just I don't like that number. I don't like that's a big distance. Also, I will say, you know, I I again I see value in the underdog bet here, but I'm not sure I'm going to take it. Uh, Sam Patterson has a surprisingly better gas tank than you would think for a guy who cuts the amount of weight that he cuts, and also he does have a Magomedov on his on his resume. I went over a guy named Magomedov, and I didn't do any research into who Magomedov was. I just heard the name, and I know if you have a name like that, I'm not fighting you. So <laughs> if that means anything to you, uh, if, no like you said, if you're from, if you're from the stands, if you're from any of the stands, you're you're probably gonna be able to have yourself a little fisty cuffs. So, and yeah, the the height disparity is crazy. And I do feel like if I bet on, uh, if I bet on the shorter man here, 
I would be like very upset at myself if like the height really started to play out in the fight. I'd be like, of course not. You know, it's one of those situations. So, yeah, bet at your own peril. Omar Morales and Chris Duncan. Uh, Omar's uh, nickname is Venezuelan fighter. It's like it's it's like he made uh, like a creative fighter in UFC and he forgot to change the nickname part. (laughs) It was like that's that's what it came in as a default. He's 37. And he's 11 and three, which is kind of a disparate uh, record to age thing. I feel like if you're a 37 year old fighter fighting in the top of the UFC, you, you're in the 20s or, or, or at least the early 20s of, of the amount of fights that you've had professionally. But this guy's getting a little bit of a late start. He's fighting a guy named Chris Duncan when Chris's uh, nickname being the problem. It's not insanely clever, but it is a little bit less neutral than Venezuelan fighter. <laughs> Although it's almost it's kind of growing on me. It's like so it's so nothing. It's something. Um but uh, the problem is nine and one. He's got seven knockout wins. And this is a pick em. And honestly, that's kind of sucks because I really do think the problem is like a heavier favorite than that in my mind. And I wish I was going to get a little bit more value in betting on him. I'm not really sure why we have him at pick odds here, but I don't know. I, I just I like Duncan here. Like he I know he's a Dana White contender series guy. And I know that that like. We'll give a guy a highlight, but we'll always not really mean that much because that's a weird show that I think he's just trying to like, it's like the Cannon Father Leagues a lot of the time. Like a couple of guys will come out of it and be really good, but it's not quite the same as like guys you've seen come through the Ultimate Fighter on uh, on different seasons or guys that come out of other promotions. It's not it's not the greatest uh, uh, pool of fighters to pick from. That's not to say there isn't a ton of talented fighters that do it. I mean, Bo Nickel did it. But I and, you know, a lot of times it's circumstantial. It's not it's not a matter of if they're good or not. But I have been burned by guys coming out of Dana White's contender series before that have highlight real finishes on the Dana White's contender series. And it's like I should have looked into more who they're fighting. I think Morales is also slowing with age. He's had back. He's the one on the losing streak. I think you meant, Ben. And I think he's uh, he's it looks to me like he's coming in to get fed to this guy. And Duncan's the underdog. I mean, it's a pick em. But it's you could find you. I'm sure if you looked around, you could find a plus 100 bet on Duncan, at, you know, as at the time of recording. So, Matt, do you think uh, the problem is a problem for Venezuela? <laughs> I absolutely do. I think you nailed it. And, you know, just, you know, I, I'd say this every time we record. I like guys that have made us money before. And me and you have both made money betting against Morales when he got slept by Jonathan Pierce. And look where Jonathan Pierce. Is I remember going. that. Gonna, now, yeah. Yeah. He's going to fight Bryce Mitchell now. On a, on a on a main, this guy's turning into a stepping stone. And I think that's exactly what it is for problem. I think problems going to walk through him. I, the line is scary to me. Just like when we see a minus nine hundred. When I see these two guys, this this should be minus two fifty period uh, uh, for a problem. I don't. That makes me nervous always because I never. Do know they know something we don't? Do they know they something always, we don't? <laughs> they always know something we don't. Always. So I'm going to go with problem here just because I I really don't like Morales coming off. He's three and one in his last four fights. Uh, or one in three. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. I don't like him at all. Ben, every sport has a different athletic, and I think athletic primes are kind of constantly shifting. I think that when we were in like middle school, if you wanted to play in the NFL, depending on the position, your athletic prime was when you were like 27, 28. I think that with nutrition and uh, training stuff, I think that guys can keep. You know, in the in the NBA, in the NFL, in in the NHL, I think guys can keep their athletic primes up until they're in their early 30s. In MMA, surprising as it is, I do think you can be better for longer if you manage your body well, if you adjust your game to not rely on athleticism or explosiveness, and if you don't get 
fucking knocked out a bunch of times. Is 37 too old for even with a guy with a with an 11 and 3 record? Is 37 too old to be putting your body on the line no matter who you are? It, I've seen really depressing 37 year olds like kind of walk. I don't know if you guys remember Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell 3. Um, but it was like a couple of years ago and it was real, real sad to watch. So um, when when that happened, uh, I started to think I, I know guys can be good for longer I, and I know you can be smart. And I know that like Tyron Woodley was a champion at like 39. But without without knowing too, too much about how this guy kind of holds his body together, do you think 37 is that you're on the decline no matter what? Or do you think you're poss- it's possible to stay where you need to be at that age? No, I, I think there's a lot of factors that go into an athletic prime. I believe the average is around 31, 32. That being said, I think it depends on how hard you've been training for how long. You see a lot of Thai guys get into their first pro fights very, very young, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, and then they're done by their early 20s. I think if you're an athletic guy, you take care of yourself, your nutrition's right, and you're, uh, again, to to your point, your your strengths aren't you can take a lot of shots and keep moving forward, then I think that you're going to be on probably the the be- the, the better side of 30 uh, as you start to decline. Morales, uh, I think he's already, he's on a losing streak. It seems like he's getting fed here uh, Yeah. Uh, to Chris Duncan. Chris Duncan said in an interview, I just don't think he's on my level and I've got to agree with him. I think Chris isn't that fantastic himself. He, he still has a lot of work to do. He was actually the one who I was watching who nearly got knocked out himself in his last fight, recovered, knocked out his opponent, and then TKO'd him on the ground. I think he has the tools to win here against uh, Omar, but I, 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 I don't think it's going to be a clear-cut win either way. This isn't an exciting fight for me. Yeah, I don't know. Thirty-seven with an eleven and three record. I I hope I hope his paychecks are are decent because it's not. I don't think he's going to be able to start working his way up at fucking J.P. Morgan anytime soon. But you know, you never know. It's never too late to start. Go back to school. How do I reach these kids? Jack Shore is fighting Maquan Emmer. Emmer is a fighter I like. I I have seen him. I have seen him win fights. I, I've seen him do well in fights before. I've won a little money on him before. That being said, uh, this is the theme for dumb nicknames, and this guy's name is Mr. Finland, which is not great. He's seven and six in the UFC. He did he did finish five of those seven wins, but he's been finished three times. He's a heavy, heavy underdog, plus three fifty at the time of recording. Jack Shore minus five twenty six. Jack Shore is the kind of guy where I think if it wasn't for a weird loss to Ricky Simon, a weird loss, we'd be talking about him in much higher esteem right now, and uh, the line might be even higher. I think that there was no reason for him him ever to be at 135. That made no sense for his size. And I think he's fucking 16 and one, you know, and he's five and one in the UFC. And Ricky Simon is a weird fighter. He can come out and beat you. It was a weird it was a weird fight, but he's super well schooled. He's very he's very technical and skillful and he's super patient. He doesn't rush his fights. But I'm, I'm curious to see this is one I didn't think there was a ton of value in an underdog bet. I really don't think that Amir Khani can get this done again. And even saying I, I do like him, I like fighting him. He's also got some cardio issues, and and I just I think he's going to get picked apart early, and I think he's probably going to get put away. If anybody wants to argue with me on that, I'm I'm happy to hear it. But if you want to double down, please go ahead. No, I'm with you. I think we you say it all the time. It's hard to bet against the Dagestani, and let's face it, the Welsh are the Dagestani's of the UK. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> You've heard how they speak. It's come on. Um, you know that old saying, the Welsh are the Dagestanis of the UK. <laughs> you 
know that old saying that everyone always says all the time? <laughs> no, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm going to ride with with him on this one. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is going to be a tough fight for Amir Khani. Jack Shore coming from a Japanese jiu-jitsu background, which as far What is Japanese jiu-jitsu, Ben? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> as far as the traditional martial arts go, I think this is one of the more useful ones. You get a little bit of everything. You get some striking, you get some grappling, you get some submissions. And I think he displays that pretty well. He has more of a traditional martial arts stance. He's much more bladed, but that works well for him with his lead, uh, lead side left, uh, left high kick absolutely no sell on it you can't he he jabs jabs and then he just throws it up there with that uh, more traditional karate kickboxing so hard stuff. to defend against yes that being said uh that same bladed stance in in what i've seen is probably what his downfall could be here um he likes to throw the rear leg kick and to do that from the bladed stance you need to turn all the way over so when he throws that right rear leg kick he is opening himself up perfectly. He's not, he doesn't have the squared stance where you see more traditional tie box where they can jump across, throw a hard chopping leg kick. He starts it from the bladed stance, turns himself, himself over, and then his chest is directly facing the opponent. He's essentially then squaring up when he throws the right rear leg kick. And I think if uh, Amir Khan has been paying attention, he could pr probably time that and go for a submission hit him with a strong right hand, try to take him down and submit him there. I think that's uh, Amir Khani's path to victory here. I don't think he has much else of a chance besides that. I think uh, Jack Shore is one of the more talented guys we're seeing on the early or on the prelims. I'm going to use the, I'm going to use Jack Shore as the anchor to a parlay. I think he's one of those, either I'm going to bet a straight wins inside the distance, or he's one of those, like, I know he's going to win, but I don't have a ton of value in the parlay. So I'm just going to use him to, to and I'm going to combine him with a couple other ones later. And honestly, good transition because one of my little sneaky bets that I have going on here is I do think that Roman Delice is going to beat Marvin Vittori. And here's why. I think Marvin Vittori fucking sucks. <laughs> and I think he's been <laughs> I think he's been secretly like kind of fooling us all that he's good because he gets to because he's fighting an Israel Adesanya or he's fighting a Robert Whitaker. Well, you got pieced up by Robert Whitaker, but he's fighting an Israel Adesanya. He's, he's fighting a Kevin Holland. He's fighting names. He's always fighting names, uh, Marvin Vittori. But he's one of the stupidest people I've ever seen uh, talking to a microphone on television. He's very unlikable, if at least from my perspective. He just looks like someone I would not want to hang out with, talks like someone I would not want to hang out with. He's aggressive. He's ignorant. He says he wins fights when he clearly gets his ass whooped. I also think that he gained a little bit of clout for like looking okay against Adesanya uh, in one of their fights before he got fucking murked in the other one. Yeah. And I also, but I also think that like Israel Adesanya, we kind of noticed his like hit or miss in championship situations sometimes. Like when he was defending his belt, he was very careful. And I think that that like, Maybe I mean he had some great wins. Don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from his from his tenure. And he had a ton of defenses, but there was a few where I was like, "Come on, man! Like you got to be a little bit more careful." And one of those fights against Mar, Mar a little less careful. And one of those fights was against Marvin Vittori. What Robert Whitaker did to him, and I think that might have been a matchup thing. You know, that might have been a style thing because I think Vittori is one of those I'm eight out of ten at everything guys, and Robert Whitaker is like, I, "Me too," but I'm actually at eight out of ten at everything guys. You're actually a six out of ten at everything, and I'm gonna beat your ass. And I think that's what happened there. And I think Delitze, I think he's fucking hungry, man, because he's like, he needs to win this. Like, he's 34. If he if he loses to this, this is his gatekeeping fight. Like, if he loses this, he's not going to have any sort of chance in middleweight to make any more waves, I really don't think. He's slick as fuck as a grappler. 
And yeah, does he have to get Victoria to the ground? Yes. Is he going to be able to? I believe so. So again, I mean, it was that thing we talked about earlier, Ben, with with uh, knowing a guy has a certain game plan and stuff like that. But there's a fucking ton of tape on Victoria right now. And I really feel like this guy could come in and execute. What do you think? Yeah. And you know what? I'd love to see it. If I never heard about Martin Victoria again, <laughs> goddamn soon. I He's can't so annoying, stand, right? But I can't stand that. I can't stand looking at it. I can't stand listening to him. He's like, I make it the pizza. Fucking whatever. I, I, and never again. I don't think he's a talented guy. I've watched some tape on him training in Thailand. And to, to be specific here, MMA striking is not the same as Thai boxing. And it doesn't look pretty all the time. But man, he looks terrible on the pads. He looks big and heavy and brutish. And uh, I think he looks like that in MMA fights. Yeah, like, I, 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 I know that it is less pretty. I get that because I know you're anticipating different stuff. And like, you know, you might be watching for the shot. You might be trying to like make sure you don't put your head in the range of a kick. Like there's all this different stuff. But still guys can still look slick when they're when they're uh, MMA boxing or MMA tie boxing or whatever it is. Like he's always been a lumbering fuck. Like absolutely. He, I mean. Pick up, pick up a jump rope and do some road work. The, the guy looks so flat-footed, it's terrible. And I think Roman could ride the Georgian wave here and come in and do some good and knock him out. I'd like to see that happen. Uh, and I'd like to never hear about Martin again. So one of these things that we like to do as gamblers is we like to pick up on little things that probably don't mean anything, but we'll, we'll bet the whole farm on it. So Roman and and uh, Vittori trained together when Roman was just starting out as a fighter. And one of the things that Vittori oh, said I didn't in his, know this. this yeah, is, yeah. This is one deep. of the things that I Vittori like said in his uh, his media day was that he tooled on Roman when Roman was a kid. And when they brought that to Roman during his media day, Roman just went, huh, "He can think that." And I I just saw it in his eyes. He's going to destroy Marvin. He's going to rip him to shreds. He's not a kid anymore. They don't know each other. And I think I think Ben said it when we did the last fight card. There are some guys that are just never going to rise above their station. And that's Marvin Vittori to a T. You're, you said it. He's a 7 out of 10. He's never going to reach that next level. He just isn't capable of doing it. He fights like a super heavyweight, flat on his foot. He got embarrassed by Adesanya's last fight. He got embarrassed by Whitaker. And he keeps saying, well, you know, losing two in a row is, is a line in the sand that I can't go by. It's okay. Why do you keep losing one then? What do you, what do you mean? You didn't mean to do that either. I really, I'm, I, I'm glad you said it because I'm all in on Roman on this fight. Yeah. I, I just think like Ben said, like the, he's just very hateable. He's got a hateable face. He looks like a fucking goblin. His tattoos are stupid. He's like, you know, he's Italian and, and no disrespect to the Italians, but like that fuck, I'm actually I'm respect to the Italians, man. I know you used to be, Italian, but like the 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 yes, the, yes. The, uh, the the funny thing about them is like you know they were an Axis power. I can't believe the PR that they've done since then. Like to 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 really uh, switch everything around. And when you watch a guy like Marvin Midori, you can really see why they joined that side. He he looks like he would happily be an SS SS guard. I mean, I would cast him as one. I I would if we were doing a little central casting right now. I would I'd be like, yeah, don't give that guy any lines because he doesn't look like he can fucking write his own name, but. I would cast him for the look of his face. He just looks like a villain. And when he does talk, he, he sounds like one too, when you can understand him. So I think it would be great to see Marvin Vittori go. And, you know, just as a last note, that thing you always say, or that you just said, I should say, about being a gambler and seeing something it, when you're watching it and, and something kind of pinging to you. Marvin Vittori's tumbling down the ranks in this division. Delete says one or two big wins away from getting a title shot. So the the momentum is is a thing. I'm not saying it's always what you need to look at, but it's it's a factor here. So 
Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to the fight. It's one of the fights I'm looking forward to watching. And, you know, if Vittori wins, I mean, he'll, he'll prove us all wrong. But I haven't seen him make huge adjustments in his game either. I think he's come out and done the same thing every time. And I think there's tape on that now. Every single time. Um, Casey O'Neill is going to fight Jennifer Maya. Another sort of example of, uh, uh, you know, a situation of, of, a, of an old kind of widely veteran and a young up and comer. Casey O'Neill has a debilitating leg injury coming into this fight. I think if Jennifer Maya was smart, she would be kicking the fuck out of that girl's knee to try to win this fight. I don't know if she's going to do that or be able to. I think if it wasn't for the, that knee injury, this would be an absolute lock for Casey O'Neill. That's just my opinion. But because of that knee injury and because of the time off, ring rust, et cetera, et cetera, I don't know what kind of Casey O'Neill we're going to see. So I'll just say up front to you, Matt, that this is a stay away from me. I just think if I make a pick either way, I'm not going to feel good about it. Um, but Maya is still the underdog. So maybe there's some value there. What What do you think? Are you going to bet on this thing? Yeah, I'm going to bet it because I, I love Casey O'Neill and I, I, you know, she's really, she's fought in some pretty impressive women, but you're right. It's just so scary coming off that injury. She literally hasn't fought in what, 13 months. It's the smart move is to stay away, but I wouldn't be me if I were smart with my gambling. So I'm going <laughs> to ride with my girl here. I, I, I think she's far and away the better fighter. I think if she didn't have this injury, the line would be minus 400. But, you know, it is what it is. It's it's a it's a tough one, but it could be, a you know, it could be a start of a, an epic tale because if she wins this, I don't know what you do with her. If you're Dana at the start of an epic tale, you said an epic tale uh, <laughs> to a belt. Yeah. Wow. I love it. Ben, in, in, in your in your fight career, I, I'm sure you've both been both the young kid that people are talking about and the guy that has a ton of fights under his belt that like you have to come and, and get past to, to move up. Which position is better? Uh, and and as much as you probably knew how to fight more with more fight experience, was the brash sort of confidence of youth uh, a helpful motivator and a, and a helpful competition edge? Or would you rather be the person being like, I, I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop you when you come in here and watch I me. Mean, I haven't fought anybody like me before. Yeah, boy, it is a tale as old as time. And uh, <laughs> I mean, Jennifer has been on the right and wrong side of a lot of decisions. She doesn't finish fighters a lot. Um, that being said, that much ring time is beneficial for you if you're able to keep up with your health and you're not deteriorating with age. Um, I personally like myself as a fighter today much more than I did years, years and years ago. So I'm not quite as athletic as I used to be. I've got some injuries, so on and so forth. But Today, I feel like I could hang with anybody and not really get beat up. When I was coming up, I was I, I tried to use speed, so on and so forth, rush through guys, and it was uh, to my detriment uh, a lot of the time if I wasn't able to put guys away early. I think Casey O'Neill is going to find herself in a similar situation here. Uh, so she does finish fights, uh, which is uh, maybe a hot take here. Uh, pretty rare for women's MMA. You do see a lot of decisions. That's true. Because- I mean, it is true. It, it is just like, I think it's just, it's not, it's no knock on them. I just think that there's a, there's a certain, I, I would say the same thing about 135ers in, in the, in the male division. You know, it's just like, a, it's just a muscle mass issue. It's not, it's no knock on anything they're doing. I do also think that they should just let them do steroids, but like, that's a conversation for another day. Yes, steroids in a football field. We have Joe Rogan, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> you but, know, uh, I, can I just say though, as a, as a quick aside, as, and and as the ability to like compartmentalize uh, gets greater and greater for me in my old age, as I like need the the things I know to be true in the world to not really like be true in my brain. 
<clears throat> Joe Rogan is obviously incredibly detrimental to like society and like a great example of like the shitty dystopia that we live in is like your brother, your older, your, your friend's older brother who like smokes weed and is like telling you about the Iran Contra issues, but like getting most of it wrong. Like I get I get that part. I really genuinely do. What I will say about him, though, is the best of a bad situation when it comes to the UFC commentators like I when him coming back on that last pay-per-view I was glad to have him I find him a lot less upsetting to listen to than a lot of the guys that we have to listen to a lot of the time I like the combination of him and Daniel Cormier the best out of all the commentators when you stick me with fucking Michael Bisbing like I just it's okay because Michael Bisbing isn't going to see any of these clips because he has me blocked on Instagram because he's a fucking coward but yeah <laughs> he, blocked, he blocked me on Instagram because he posted a photo of uh, Winston Churchill and uh, and and he was in like black and white with like a quote and I was like yeah I mean like that's cool and all but he also like starved a bunch of fucking uh, Indians so <laughs> he's like a piece of shit and he just blocked me and I thought Michael Bisping was supposed to be uh, a brave fighter but listen he's a fucking terrible terrible commentator so is Dom Dominic Cruz John Annick's a real professional. He's like a real sports journalist professional. He's like one of the better play-by-play -play guys in sports, if you, if you ask me. And when he gets stuck with those two fucking absolute dildos, I just, it's so, the contrast is so obvious. So I will just say as a compliment, as much as I don't agree with, you know, a lot of the stupid shit he says and a lot of the misinformation he was putting out, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, I do prefer Joe Rogan as an MMA commentator. And, uh, and that's, that's all I'll say on that, you know. I agree <laughs> I mean, with every word. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I take it as a compliment then, Ben. All right. Thank you very much. What were we talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Casey O'Neill and Jennifer Maya. Matt, well, uh, who you got in this fight? Uh, well, no, we already did that. We're moving on to Gunnar Nelson and Brian Barberina. I love Gunnar. I love I Gunner. I, I genuinely love Gunnar. Uh, obviously, he's an SBG guy. He was in the he was one of the co-stars of the notorious Conor McGregor documentary on Netflix. He comes to visit Conor in his mansion and he gets the tour. So then we get the tour. So he was a really good, you know, he was like a uh, used as a as a, a device to represent the audience. It's really it's it's filmmaking one on one. So we love Gunnar. His jujitsu is great. He seems to be taking his cardio and his strength and conditioning a lot more seriously this time around. And if SBG, you know, I know, Ben, I know you don't rate them very highly as a gym because they really have only produced one champion. I do think that if they could do anything better, it would be, you know, regardless of, of what you think about their technicians and like the way that they train guys over there, like they really do seem to put out guys a lot that have gas tank issues. And I think Gunner's had those in the past, but I think he's taken that and taken a little bit more seriously. And I hope he has one sprint left in him because I don't love Brian Barberina. I, I don't really know who's going to win this fight. I think conventional wisdom says it's Gunner, but I think Barberina has a just as good of a chance. So I'm also probably going to stay away from this one too, unless you, Matt, unless you can talk me into betting on Gunner Nelson. I, I want to, and I'm going to be cheering for him, but like, is it smart? I want to too, but this is the one where I do see value in the underdog pick here because Barbarina is just a dangerous guy to fight and Gunnar Nelson has struggled. You're right with gas and with fighting the, the top guys in the division. He's been off for a while too. I just a full year since he last fought. And that one went to decision as well. As much as he says, he likes to come in and end fights. His last four fights were ended where a sub and then decisions. I do see, I, I really do see value in the underdog pick here with Barbarina. Yeah, yeah. Ben, have you ever rated Gunnar Nelson? Uh, or, you know, I mean, his jiu-jitsu is good. Been, I, I like the karate stance and all that stuff. You ever liked him or is it just uh, another fucking SBG bum coming out, coming around for you? Well, I, I think I think Gunnar is a talented guy. I think he has a very, very 
dangerous submission grappling game. When you watch him train, it's it's obvious he's incredibly flexible. He takes it serious. His warm-ups are, are crazy to watch. You should see him balance on his head. And I think that karate stance gives a lot of guys trouble. That bladed stance is hard to deal with unless you're a, a pure Muay Thai guy and you're able to eat into that with leg kicks. That being said, Brian Barberina, to Matt's point, is a dangerous guy. Doesn't seem to... He, I know he just lost to uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, who is... Uh, you know, a, a very talented veteran of the game. But uh, Brian has come out and he has ruined some guys' debuts before. Who did he beat? Sage Northcutt, when Sage Northcutt was coming up. Came up, you look at these two guys, Brian Barberino's this kind of sloppy, you know, whatever guy, and Sage Northcutt, Sage Northcutt was this jacked wonder boy. And uh, Brian had no fear in him. Moved forward, took him down, submitted him. And uh, he, he's dangerous anywhere the fight goes. I think it's going to be tough for Gunner, but uh, SBG has, with with the uh, with the financing of Conor McGregor, they have uh, been putting in some serious work in the cardio uh, game. They 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 McGregor have regular fast baby. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't <laughs> do you remember in the press? Do you remember in the press conference for the 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 Poirier McGregor three fight? Uh, Dustin had this like really good joke that would probably have been written for him where it was obvious that he was supposed to deliver it McGregor fast, more like McGregor fast asleep because he had knocked him out in the previous fight. But he was like, McGregor fast, more like McGregor's sleep. And I was like, oh, Dustin, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, if your parents weren't cousins, uh, you would be so much funnier. Like, this is, oh, this is so upsetting. Why go across oh. town when you went could go, go right across the hall, said Dustin's dad when he one night when he wanted to just make his way over to, to, to Dustin's mom's boudoir and make a, make a, a future perennial runner-up in the UFC championship mixing. Um, you know, and, and, and we love him for it. And he makes hot sauce. Mm. And it's all good. But I wish he hadn't fucked that joke up because I more than more than I love Conor McGregor. I love a well-timed joke. And that was not that. But yeah, sorry. Uh, my, <laughs> let's get off that tangent and go back to. Uh, no, I'm with you. I hate Conor. that. I hate that swamp creature. Dustin, Dustin is a talented guy, but keep that guy off the mic. He really should just lean into the keep his wife off Instagram. She's right in Conor McGregor's DMs. I heard she's in me DMs, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Such a piece of shit. The funniest fucking thing. I if I had my leg broken like that, I would be. I would need you guys to go get my mom. Even at like 32, I would be like, I need you. I really need you to go. I'm in like not in a good place right now. And the fact that he was like. Hey baby, <laughs> she's in my DMs. Come on, how can you love this guy? <laughs> so, uh, moving on, I want to talk about. Uh, I wanted to get through these other fights to give this fight a little bit more time because Matt said today that he's betting on the just on Justin Gaethje in the Justin Gaethje versus Rafael Vizia fight. And I'm just wondering, Matt, my question to you is, why are you entering your I don't love money era? And why are you trying to throw your money away on this uh, Gaethje Vizia fight when he's clearly going to lose? You know, I, I, Justin Gaethje said something during his interviews this week. He said, I don't know why it is. He said, I don't know why Yeah, I remember when he said that too. But I'm the most exciting fighter that you watch. And he is, he just... I love watching Justin fight. He's yeah. only disappointed. Yeah, you know why he's exciting? Because he because he leads with his brain and not in a thinking way. He's like, just punch me right in the brain. Just punch. He fucking yeah. He puts the if the E and CTE stood for electric, it would be Justin Gaethje. I agree with you wholeheartedly. What I can't even like let you give me the fucking I love Justin Gaethje's feel because it's like. He's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. It's it's fine. It's just Who is like- Justin? Okay, so let's focus for a second. Who has Justin lost to? He lost to Khabib, who is 
arguably the best at that in that division, maybe ever, right? And then he lost to Charles Oliveira, who he dropped like a sack of potatoes before he got choked unconscious. He's not a wrestler. Now he's fighting a Muay Thai guy who's a little bit unproven and talking a whole mess of shit for somebody who hasn't really fought anybody worthwhile. I I really, I think Justin has dynamite in his hands. I think when you see him hit people, it's scary. I think he's the strongest puncher. And Dave, let's be honest, me and you both were convinced he was going to beat Khabib in that fight. We thought yeah, he was going to Because knock- I'm super fucking biased and I want that guy to lose. Like, I'm not, this is like, that's like being like, let's let the guy whose daughter got murdered decide what happens to the dude who did the murdering. Like, I, I'm the last dude that should be fucking dispensing logical thoughts Listen. or justice on a situation like that. <laughs> of course he was going to lose. And all fucking smart money was on him losing that fight. And I'll also say, and I'm going to transition to bet on this one styles make fights justin gaethje loses to guys that can get inside and throw really electric boxing combinations who's he lost to he's lost to dustin poirier that's that's a guy who can do that he's lost to eddie alvarez that's a guy who can do that guess who else can do that rafael fiziev can fucking do that he's going this guy he is criminally underrated matt like his his and like ben if you don't agree with me on this i i i would be so shocked because you're a muay thai guy his Muay Thai is sick. It's sick. He's the fucking Muay Thai trainer at one of the biggest Muay Thai gyms in the world. But then I thought about it. Is, is that the one you called the TikTok Muay Thai gym? Boy, did I. It uh, is. So, <laughs> so, so this, this, I think, is going to be a bit uh, a, a little bit more difficult than you're giving it credit, Dave. Uh, so Rafael Shiziev, man, oh, man, is that guy exciting to watch. Coming on a Tiger Muay Thai, whatever whatever you say about him, they work hard. Incredibly talented and fought some some very tough competition in the stadiums in Thailand and looked really, really good. That being said, this is not Muay Thai. This is MMA. Uh, when you see a fight with Rafael against somebody like Bobby Green, who in no way would you would consider a top Thai fighter at all. He's a he's a talented MMA fighter. But Rafael got pulled into a boxing match. there. He got pulled into a boxing match when he should have been keeping his distance, going for the low leg kicks, stopping his movement forward. But he got pulled into the exciting fight. And that was a lot closer than uh, than you would have expected against such a such a talented guy in Rafael. Justin is incredibly proven so far. He's fought a lot of very tough guys and he's been improving. I think he's got a lot of power in his hands. I think he well, has- and all, But also, I, I just as a quick, just as a quick interjection, yes, I agree, but I do think he fights so much because the UFC parking guys are really into it when Justin Gaethje fights because the bus he takes is really short. So oh, it's really nice that they don't have to, you, they don't have to utilize as much space for his vehicle. So it's nice when they have him on the card. I just I know that that to be true. So I just Dave, it's there. such a bizarre take. Justin Gaethje is an incredibly insightful like interview. Like he's not. I know he takes a lot of shots, but like he's I like he's okay. Not- yeah, but like but like Matt Damon isn't an idiot either. But it was hilarious when they did that in Team America. Like it's just <laughs> the joke. The joke is based in the narrative, and also he does take a shitload of punishment, and also he has to be told. And I'm not talking about his interviews. I'm talking about his fight style. The guy was one of the best wrestlers, wrestling prospects to come into the UFC in a long time. He doesn't fucking wrestle yeah. anymore. He does. If he, he had, doesn't. if he had, if he had a kept that skill set, I would be telling you right now he was going to come in and fucking steamroll Rafael Fiziev. But he didn't. He decided that's his base, and he decided not to do that anymore. And if you're not doing that day in and day out, you're you're going to lose that skill set. It's going to get a little bit, you know, sort of sort of numb. Yeah, you're and, right. And I think that 
the fact that Trevor Whitman, when he has him in the corner and he's like, what are you not going to do, Justin? And he's like, I'm not going to get into a big old brawl. And he's like, you're not going to get into a big old brawl, are you? You're going to go out there. You're going to have a really smart match. He's like, I'm going to go out there and have a really smart match, coach. And it's just like, it, it's it, like, it's he, okay. He's not an idiot, but he's got all the accoutrement of an idiot. <laughs> so it's just difficult for me not to do this. I just find him. I just find him like. You'd be in a conversation with them and it's just your eyes would fucking gloss over and you'd just be like, yeah, okay, all right, Justin. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's that's all well and good. Have a nice rest of your night. So, I just don't love him. I don't love him. He's exciting. So it's, it's funny that Dave just said that, Ben, because I wanted to ask you about this. Justin was asked about the fact that he doesn't seem to respond to corner help while he's fighting. And he kind of, he said that if he if he starts focusing on instruction, he loses his timing and his intuition and his his he says his fight IQ he can't hold that. two thoughts in his head at once is that what you're saying he admitted that well, okay. well i wanted to ask ben because ben's been in dark moments and fights and he's had corner men screaming shit at him ben does it do you find it hard when you're receiving instructions during a fight when maybe it's not going your way to focus on what they're saying and if if you do start listening to them, do you notice a slip in your intuition your ability to read the boxer the fighters you know shoulder movement or anything like that so my first 10 fights under under 10 fights sure because you are still super worked up uh towards the end of my career and justin gaethje 23 and 4 a lot of fights here you'd think the guy would be able to react while under pressure and be able to stay calm and listen to his corner and execute a game plan which he did okay with against um well, what's the guy's name um who uh oh, no oh chandler Yes. But man, if you haven't learned, are you ever going to at this point in your career? He is nowhere. He, I don't think anybody can argue that he is still ascending. I think he is pretty much at the peak of his career. It was when he lost to Khabib. It was when he lost to Khabib. It was like, that was his chance at greatness. That was his chance to like do the thing. And quite frankly, when you're talking about guys that fought Khabib, you're not talking about how good they were going in or or if they won or lost because they all lost. It's about like what the performance was. And he, by far of all the top contenders that fought Khabib for the lightweight title had the worst performance. Yeah. Like uh, oh if you talk about all the, if you talk about all the top guys, Poirier came the closest. I think that he was incredibly close to locking up that, uh, uh, that guillotine. I think, me. you know, Khabib can talk all he fucking wants about how he was like, never that worried and like whatever. He he came really really close. I think that Connor won that uh, that third round. I Connor think might be he, the only person that's ever won a round against. Khabib. He definitely was the only person ever went around against him. Which like whatever he he definitely took that third round, which was like impressive. And then he made a really stupid mistake in the fourth. But he also got ten eighted in the second. So I don't know. I think that Ale Quinta <laughs> did like a pretty good job against Khabib. If you guys remember, he did. Um, I think it was just a stylistic thing. I just think he had like a he, Ali Quinta has like a ton of core strength, and I think he could like play defense the entire time, and it was just better than people thought. But he still got fucking worked. Let's be honest. And maybe Khabib didn't just didn't have the best night. But Justin Gaethje was he just let me down so hard, and that's why I just I'll never come back around on that guy because it was so embarrassing how bad he got fucked up. It really was like he just brought nothing to the table, and also he looked like he was going in there to lose, which I just have no fucking respect. Yeah. We said and, it during the walkout, Dave. Remember, we said when he walked out, he looks terrified, and he yeah, did. And I and I am I am actually I don't know if the lizards know this, but I do actually have my body language doctorate from the University of Cambodia, and <laughs> so I will always be able to tell you. If someone's and let, let, hey, don't laugh. That was a lot of work. OK. And Cambodia is not an easy place to live. I was kidnapped twice. And I <laughs> want you to know 
that my my doctorate in body language will tell you who's going to win a fight as they walk in. But the problem is I always log myself out of the betting app by accident because it's not legal here. So I have to go through a sketchy site and, you know, that it takes too long to log back in. And I, I can't make the bet by the time I've seen the body language thing. And it would it would feel a little bit like cheating, to be honest, because I'm so good at it. So that's how I was able to say right. that. Just engage. But yeah, I really I don't know, man. I think Fiziev, as much as yes, I agree that his resume is not as impressive as Gaethje's. He ran through a lot of those fucking guys. Yeah. You know, he really did. He absolutely sparked a lot of those guys and his momentum is carrying with him here. So, I mean, I, it's well, we're going to be split on this. We're, we're not going to be in the same place. It seems like you guys are both Gaethje. Am I wrong? I, I'm definitely Gaethje, but let's also focus on the fact that you do have a bit of a grudge against Gaethje because he beat up your second boy toy, Tony Ferguson. Uh, I I wouldn't say that I feel that strongly about about uh yeah no I love Tony Ferguson. <laughs> Tony Ferguson waved at Dave and it's been uh, <laughs> I once oh, no hold on a second honestly you didn't wave at me I was driving and he was I was driving in in Southern California and I think he's a NorCal guy so I'm not really sure what he was even doing there it was a couple of weeks before his one of his it was meant to be. And I was driving and I saw him standing outside what looked like it might be an MMA gym and listening to, I shit you not, an iPod with like fully white headphones. I may, it might have been an iPhone, but in my, my memory, I've turned it into an iPod. Fully white iPhones going up to his ears. He was wearing carpenter jeans, like the ones with the loop to put the hammer in. And like what looked along the lines of like a, an affliction t-shirt. And I was driving very slowly because traffic was moving very slowly. And I looked and I was like, I'm like, as I got close, I was I had enough time to look at him for like a while. And as I got closer and closer, I was like, only Tony Ferguson looks like that. That's fucking Tony Ferguson. And then as I got closer to him, I was like, it fucking actually is. And he saw me staring at him and he gave me one of these. And I gave him one of these back. And honestly, it's it's for me, respect goes a long way. You know, and the fact that he recognized me and he respected me, I, I gave him that back. So, yeah, I didn't want to see Justin Gage and beat him up. And honestly, you guys should feel the same way. That was one of the worst fucking beatings I've ever had to watch in my entire life. Awful. And also, it was one of the early ones with no crowd. So you could just hear everything. It was awful. It was really tough to watch. And Tony's tough, so he didn't go away. And then, unfortunately, the next thing that happened is Michael Chandler made uh, the most hilarious still photo uh, of kicking him in the face where his face just looked cartoonish. Oh, um, it, during that photo. So yes, okay, I guess that was the long way of me saying yes, I hold a grudge against Justin Gaethje because I saw Tony Ferguson. You're not wrong. It's a good call out. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, but you said something there that I thought was interesting. He, you said he's sparking a lot of these guys. I don't think that's necessarily true. I think Raphael is incredibly talented and I think what he's able to do is remain sharp into the later rounds. Like you saw, he did knock. Paul. He did knock out Bobby Green. I mean, as much as you said he got pulled into that fight, he knocked out Bobby Green. He also knocked out. No, Ronaldo no, he didn't. He uh, he wanted a uh, unanimous decision. So take a seat. And uh, he knocked <laughs> out uh, Brad Riddell. Oh and, yeah, no, uh, right. Sorry. And then he, and then he knocked out uh, Rafael dos Anjos. Both guys who I wouldn't say are Rafael dos Anjos is not easy to knock out. That's yeah, true. That, that's fair. But again, what, what I was saying before I was interrupted was that he's able to uh, <laughs> he's able to remain sharp later into the rounds. And so many cut that, bends, Micah. That's that's it. That's an important <laughs> thing to do in these high profile fights. If you're taking these guys who are getting tired, working hard against you, but you're able to remain sharp and your technique's good. That's when he picks guys off in the later rounds. So I don't think he's run through a lot of guys, but. And I don't think any of these guys are world beaters by any means. Uh, Rafael Dos Onios, Dos Onios, whatever the hell his name is. Yeah, take, years... take your time. Try a few more times. Don't mention his big head. But I still think he's largely unproven. And I think this will tell the tale about uh, Rafael's career going forward. 
Well, I mean, if that is true and he is largely unproven, and I do agree with you that his resume doesn't stack up the same way Gaethje's does, and it is a step up in competition for him. If that is true and he is unproven, Matt, does that make does that make you more confident in betting on Justin Gaethje? Because I just I do think betting on Justin Gaethje is not a sure thing today. Is all I'm really trying to say. Like I just think that he can be stupid in fights, so he doesn't get my money. Does that make You're sense? Right. No, that's totally fair. And I think I think my evaluation of picking Justin was. This is a huge step up for Raphael, and I don't think the person I'd want to step up against is Justin Gaethje because, man, oh, man, he does. He throws absolute fire from those fists. Well, the odds, makers, um, the odds makers agree with me, and they do. Yeah, they do. They gave, uh, they gave Fizzy the, the favorite title. and uh, A pretty significant gave, one, too. Yeah, uh, minus 250, uh, which means he's got like a 75% chance of winning, according to Vegas. That's basically how they they run their odds. They that they say, well, we'll lose this bet if, uh, you know, based on a 75% chance of, of a good outcome for us. And honestly, Vegas is really good at making money, guys. I don't know if you've, uh, I don't know if you've seen them, you know, build buildings, but they, uh, they, they have, they have quite the, uh, the penny. So finally, we're coming on to the third fight. Technically, I don't really count the first one. They were children of Leon Edwards and, and Kamara Usman. Um, the the buildup has been uh, notably cringe, mainly because Kamaru Usman like is one of those guys that says things that he, you can clearly tell he thinks sound cool, but they're very stupid. And Leon Edwards is like, ah, oh, he's like, if he was just like five percent more clever, he would really have some nice like one liners and sound bites. But he's just like, oh, he's just he he doesn't quite get it, you know. He's not quite there with the with the funny stuff, and also. It's been very strange because Kamaru seems to have forgotten that he was knocked out, which might play to his advantage. But in all the buildup, he's he's basically been like, what happened in the first fight? What happened in the first fight? And it's really given Leon an opportunity to be like, what happened in the last fight? I knocked you out. And then he's been like, yeah, but I was beating you up until that point. And Leon's like, that doesn't matter. Like, that doesn't mean anything. I knocked you out. It was the fucking knockout of the year. Like, it was spectacular. And. I'm going to start with Ben on this one because it, my burning question for you, Ben, I know you can't answer this from experience because as I say on every show, you were never knocked out. I mean, I've knocked you out intellectually many times, but physically you've never been knocked out. I want to know how much do you think this has got to be fucking with his brain, right? It's like there's no way. It, it's not just going to play out the same way. We're not hoping for just another lucky Leon Edwards it, it it was lucky and it wasn't, you know, I mean, it was a good kick. There's footage of him practicing it. He got encouragement from his corner, like, and came out and did what he needed to do. Usman fuck. But at the same time, Usman dropped his hands and fucking put his head into it. I mean, that just happened. That did happen. He yeah. really helped him out with the momentum of that kick. So is it in his head? And also like you're cheering for Leon Edwards, right? Like Kamara Usman, if anyone holds on to people. If anyone holds on to people, it's this fucking guy. I mean, at least Khabib advances position a lot of the time. And he's trying to submit people. Though it's so much worse to watch the whole people up against the cage thing, right? Or are you going to give me the fucking answer where you like know that uh, about the technical part so it's fun for you? Uh, no. So, you know, to, to your answer your first question, is the knockout in Marty Fake Newsman's head? I do believe... <laughs> <laughs> See, it's, uh, it's it's funny because it's not right like it really yeah. comes around full circle <laughs> i hear kobe's in uh i hear kobe covington's in london as the backup fighter it's a rumor unsubstantiated but i hear he's there as the backup fighter i don't want to see him fight more Usman again to be honest with you but if he came out to fight leon edwards and if there was if there was some sort of injury or something i'd be interested in that yeah, yeah but yeah. anyway that, sorry you were saying no no so i think uh I think the knockout will probably, based on styles here, play to Usman's strength. I think he's now going to be aware that he has to be sharper the entire time and that you can get caught whenever. But I don't think... that this. So 
Leon won the first round of that last fight. And I think all you can say it's is that he really, yeah, all, well, sure. But that's kind of like uh, the John Jones, Alexander Gustav said, he really wasn't expecting that. I think he's going to be expecting a, a tougher fight here. And I think he's going to really work Leon. I love Leon. Man, he's exciting. And, and you love a Rocky story to see somebody get beat up, beat up, beat up, and then come from behind, pull it out the fire, as his coach said, and knock him out. But I think Kamara is just going to be too sharp and too boring. He's just going to hold him up against the cage, punch him in the body. And uh, and he's never going to let that distance get created, which is what Leon needs to be able to knock him out here. I, I, I think what we saw as much as you, you hate to say flukes and fights, because if that was a real fight, he simulated his death. That would be it. We wouldn't be having this fight. <laughs> But Leon essentially outworked in the first round, pure, I, th I think just by surprise, uh, and then really started to decline and gave up on himself. Man, that got, yeah, they were like, really good, really good corner stuff where they were like, no, Leon, you're just a chip off the old block, mate. Fucking get out there, do your thing, bullshit, 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 whatever they were saying. Like, that was good corner work. They pumped him up. <laughs> they did. And, uh, and, and it worked. But I doubt that's going to work again. I, I think uh, Usman's going to come out here and he's going to bore his way to a decision win. I mean, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I'm unfortunately in full agreement with you. And I, I like unless Leon added something really significant to, significant to his game, noticed something that he hadn't noticed in the last fight. I think what we're what we're all pretty sure of and like Matt seems like you're nodding along in agreement. What we're all pretty sure of is the fact that he that kick was a knockout kick. This guy's a high-level MMA fighter. He can knock motherfuckers out. However, Kamaru Usman made a mistake to get that to get that kick happening. And I think that he was a little lackadaisical and a little bit like, I've won this fight. I'm happy to stand in the middle with this guy. It's not a big deal. But yeah, it's probably gonna go that Kamaru Usman way. I think I'm really I think that's why they put Gaichi Fiziev as the co-main. Because I think we're gonna be in for a fucking snooze fest in the main card. What do you think? Yeah, well, let me take this as, an, as a chance because we haven't done this yet. I don't know how we haven't done it. But uh, down with the crown, uh, down with the UK. I hate England. I hate their royals. I hate their food. I hate their people. I love Leon. I, I love him. I, I, Jamaican, you know, hard story comes up. Uh, he he has now fought Kamaru Usman for 39 minutes, and he's lost 37 minutes of those those fighting you know minutes. It's it's a uh, I really think, and I know you're saying you shouldn't count the first fight, but you know, the first fight looked an awful lot like the second fight where Leon looked gassed and worried and looked down on himself. And I, I really just think that Kamaru Usman is a top five fighter uh, for his weight class. He's a pound for pound, uh, you know, at least top three, right? I just, I think he's just going to win this fight the way he wins all of his fights, which is burn clock, be in control send big shots and hold him down. And I don't think Leon's going to have an answer. Now, having said that, Leon looks cut. He doesn't look like he did for the last fight. He looks in shape. He looks comfortable. He's at home. He said he's sleeping in his own bed. I just don't think it matters. I, I think Usman's got this. I think he's going to take the crown back and walk away with it. <sighs> it's going to be so annoying and boring. What I will say is, I think if Hamza can like fucking lay off the, the hamburgers and make 170 again, I, it was fucking embarrassing how bad he was at making weight last time. So I feel like Dana and Dana White was almost public about him not wanting him to, him to even try to give him one more shot. If he can make 170, I think he fucking cleans out either of these guys. So I even if Usman wins, I need somebody to come fucking take him out. And what I will say to end on this note and not give you either a chance uh, for a rebuttal, if Usman does win and we really do need somebody at 170 
to come and take that title. There is only one man who I believe could do it. I'm gonna, notorious I'm gonna ride, Conor McGregor. All I'm right. gonna ride into your favela on <laughs> horseback and make you all work for me. If you thought the fucking Marty fake newsman stuff was hilarious, wait until fucking Connor gets his hands on him. How fucking crazy would it be if he knocked out Kamara Usman, though? Like, you would really have to change your tune on that guy if he got three different weight classes belts. I mean, that's something. You could do it. Um, it might be something I'm going to think about later as I fall asleep. Who knows? Uh, so, guys, thank you so much again for coming in and checking my oil. We've had a lovely romp through the uh, through the UFC card this uh, upcoming weekend again do not forget that it is an earlier card if you're trying to buy it and watch it don't forget that it's on in the middle of the fucking day this time but otherwise we'll be back with a recap and preview in the rest of the year i think we really are heating up over here in in, in cage fighting and mixed martial arts so thanks for tuning in to missing the point and checking my own DC, I host the rock podcast back to the arena, the interviews. It's about a 30 minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to back to the arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the city of angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric acid. Electric acid.